Welcome to the Pikes Peak Christian Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Billy. If you're new, I help out with um, making sure that adults 18 to 118 grow in the Lord. And uh, sometimes that's hard because some of you are difficult. But so am I. So, and God loves me and has mercy and grace on me, so he will you as well. So not only welcome, but man, we're excited about the fall. So around here, we're going to we're going to pace ourselves with the school system a lot of times. And so during the summer, everybody's busy doing some summer things. But in a few weeks, we're going to go back to school. So a lot of fun things are going to be happening. So let me just say uh, from an announcement standpoint, one of the things you're going to hear us mention is, is opportunities to be trained. Here at Pike Speed Christian Church, we want to be guilty of not just attracting people who love to attend, but people who love to grow. And that requires training. And if you went to your job or you joined a sports league or you went into the military, you wouldn't expect to be handed, or, or even athletics, you wouldn't be expected to be handed a job or handed a job description and to go figure it out for yourself. And so in church, we don't want to do that either. We want to train you to be moms and dads in the Lord. We want to train you to grow up, in a, no matter whether you're six, six, 16 or 60, to be able to grow in the Lord and be a disciple maker. And so, because that's what we're called to do. And so you'll hear us talk about training opportunities. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you that in the fall and the winter, as those come up, accept them, jump into them headlong and your family and your church and your community will be stronger for it. Amen? Amen. All right, this is the 9.30 service now. You gotta be a little more lively than the eight o'clock service. When I say amen, that's a cue for you to say amen. And so it helps me if you talk back a little bit. Amen. Thank you, church. Yes, love it. All right, so a couple of things advertisement-wise is that we're gonna have a men's breakfast coming up on August 22nd. At this men's breakfast, it's gonna be father-son. And so whatever version of father-son that you have, if you have a little guy, bring him. If you had a big guy, bring him. If you have somebody who doesn't have a, doesn't have, um, a father to bring them, or vice versa, and you can connect and come together, that would be great. There's many young men around who don't have a father figure in their life, and maybe you're connected to them and you can help with that. Okay, so that, we'll have some activities that are specifically for fathers and sons at that men's breakfast. There's on August 2nd, which is this next weekend, several things are gonna happen. We're gonna promote your kids from second grade to third grade, or fifth grade to sixth grade, or whatever that looks like. And first through eighth graders, are going to be moved around in the building some. And so on Sunday morning, there'll be traffic cops upstairs and in the other building kind of telling you where to go and what, where not to go and moving, moving people around. And so it'll be self-explanatory. They'll help you do that. But just know that there's going to be some changes with that. Um, and then there'll be some changes with the adult discipleship classes on Sunday morning as well. But if we haven't communicated with you already, we will communicate with you this week about the new classroom that you're going with. Let me just give you a clue. If you go to the classroom that you're used to going to and the people who you expect to be there are not there anymore, we moved them. And so we're going to have to tell you where to go. And so just expect some of that to be going on. Then after that, we're going to have a picnic that day. So next Sunday, we're just going to hang out right after the third service, one o'clock to three o'clock. Come back. If you normally come to 930, come back, bring a picnic lunch, a lawn chair, a blanket, some shade. If you do that, it's going to be like a tailgate party. We're going to throw footballs and Frisbees. If you get here and for some reason you don't have um, food with you, we'll have some food for sale, but we will not have food for everyone. And so just note that we'll, we'll try to provide some backup just in case we forget or we don't bring something. So, but we want to connect as the body and we, there's going to be a lot of fun activities. At that picnic next week, 
there's going to be some bicycle obstacle course and some opportunity for you to get bikes worked on. We got somebody coming in who's free, is expert at fixing bikes and things. So if you have one of those, you want to bring it and bring the, let the kids ride around or have it worked on, you can do that. There'll also be kind of a splash zone. How many of you have been to a park, moms, and, and there's like a little splash area, right? We love that. I usually go get in it with the little kids. I have to lay down because I had to get under the water, but, um, but I love that. And we're going to have something like that and so bring a towel for the little guys and maybe a bathing suit and if it's hot like like it's planning like it should be it should be some fun amen we will repeat that on september 6th the day before labor day and so that sunday if you're not out of town or you're not playing out in the mountains or something because a lot of people off work and they're going to go do something hang out with us after after the third service no stress, no high pressure. It's just going just to be a picnic. We're going to hang out together and love each other well. And then um, August 29th, we have Women's Enrichment. This is our quarterly women's event, and we're going to have that. And all you guys need to register and sign up for that. Not guys, ladies. Guys, if you register, they'll deny you at the door. Trust me, I've tried to get in. They won't let you get in. And then... Um, and then as we go forward, there's going to be classes that are, that are helpful for you to grow. One of them is going to be called an essentials class. And that's basic Bible church essentials. It helps me get a great foundation. It's only four weeks long, but it teaches you basic doctrines, basic ideas about what does the evangelical Protestant church in this era believe and what does this Bible teach that I need to know. And, I, and, I, and trust me, most of us need the reminders and most of us need to be in there. All right, so are you ready to work? Get to work with the Word? Yes, did you bring your Bible? Yes, this is church. So one of the things that makes us different is here, rather than going to the YMCA or going to a community event, we actually pray here differently than other, other places. We actually read and study and learn and grow in the Bible here. And we actually worship God, the omnipotent, powerful God here. And so it makes us distinctive. And so when you come to church on Sunday morning, bring your Bible Bring your journal, bring some notepads, bring a pen, get ready to be a student, get ready to learn. The days of coming to church to be fed need to go away. And the days where fed people gather to worship a holy God need to come. Nowhere in the scripture did they gather on a regular basis to be weak and impotent and uneducated to let someone like me or Pastor Darren to tell you what the Bible says and to tell you what to do. In the scriptures, we got together on a regular basis to worship God out of the overflow of what was going on in our life. And you were given the call to open the Bible and study it and feed yourself. So my challenge today is gonna have a tone of you growing and you expanding your ability to feed yourself, to hear God for yourself and respond to the call of God. For yourself. And then we come together on the weekends like this to give testimony to that, to celebrate, to get some leadership, to say, hey, the church is all going in this direction, and to worship a holy God together out of the overflow of what God God is doing in our life. If you're new, though, this is a great place. If you're wounded, if you're hurting, if you're new to town and you show up on Sunday morning, we want to be able to embrace you. We want to be able to embrace our city. And so we want this to be a safe and life-giving place on Sunday morning. But, but the days where you are dry and, and bored and impotent in producing disciples and where you come, on church, you come to church on Sunday waiting for me to give you a magical word or for Pastor Darren to give you a magical word on how to go do this thing called Christian life or to build you up so that you feel encouraged enough to go back to the job on Monday morning that you hate. 
We want to equip you to change that. We want to equip you to be much more life-giving and much more powerful and much more encouraged so that when we gather here, we are forced to be reckoned with in prayer. We are forced to be reckoned with in worship. We are forced to be reckoned with in our giving. We are forced to be reckoned with in our witnessing. So we're strong and we're powerful. Does that sound good? Amen. Well, let me pray for you real quick and we'll open up our Bibles. Father God, I thank you for this people. I thank you for ears to hear what your spirit is saying. And God, I call out to you right now and I ask for help. Move me away. Put me behind the cross. And God, I ask that you by your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. And so I just pray that everything that would distract would move aside. And that we would pay attention, God, to what you are saying. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Well, the last couple of weeks we've had Sam up here preaching. Sam's our next-gen pastor. He's responsible for babies all the way to 18 years old. But the truth is, is that Sam and I are joined at the hip. We're, we know that what happens from a ministry standpoint um, to parents affects the kids. And what happens to the kids affects the parents. And so our, the family is our target, whatever version of the family you have. Mixed family, blended family, single family, whatever that looks like. We, uh, we want to make you and your household be what God intended it to be. And you're going to hear me talk about that today. So we talked a couple of weeks ago about how nobody is a nobody. And we love that message. When I walked away from that message, here's, here's one of the things I heard. Not only is... Nobody, and no, there, nobody is a nobody, and everybody is a somebody. But one of the things I really heard was, everybody needs somebody. And that really hit me personally, because it convinced me that not only does everybody need somebody, but I am that somebody. And we look in the world, and we try to, we try to wonder, what are we supposed to think about politics? What are we supposed to think about the social media crazy stuff going on? What are we supposed to think about teenagers going off the reservation and killing each other? What are we supposed to think about the ills going on in our society? And we get so distracted sometimes, and we forget that really what God has made most of us responsible for is being somebody, and then going be, being somebody to another person. And that's it. It's not a program that the church runs. It's not Sunday morning. It's not changing politics. It's not changing Hollywood, even though those things can happen. But I don't really have direct influence over Hollywood the way that some people do. So some people have an inroads into politics. Some people have an inroads into those areas. But for the most part, everything that I see on, see on CNN actually doesn't affect me. What affects me and what affects my coworkers is whether or not I understand nobody's a nobody and I'm a somebody. And if I'm a somebody, everybody needs somebody. And that means somebody needs me and somebody needs you. And there's a group of five, six, seven, eight, ten people around you who need you. They need you to stop looking at the world and start looking at them. And so I was really moved by that message. Next week, Pastor Sam talked about start somewhere, Right? It's a big, crazy world out there. What, what do you do next? You start somewhere, right? Just get started right where you are. You don't have to get 18 years of education. You don't have to look a certain way or sound a certain way. Just start where you are. Start where you are. And this week, we're going to carry over on that. And we're going to expand our vision quite a bit. Turn with me out of the book of John to chapter 4. Jesus had this situation with his disciples, isn't it interesting how even with the disciples who walked with Jesus and, and ate with Jesus and slept with Jesus and traveled with Jesus, I mean, they had personal contact with Christ. Do you think, yes or no, do you think Jesus was a good disciple maker? Yes or no? Do you think it was probably the best? Yes or no? Yes. 
And even at this K, even, even at this moment, you're going to realize that some of the things that we're going to talk about today are real. We learn them from Jesus' disciples. So the men that Jesus was teaching and discipling actually weren't all that impressive all the time. Which gives me a lot of hope. Because, because hey, if they were with Jesus face to face and they still slacked off or didn't have their mind in the right place sometimes, it gives me a lot of hope. And so we want to see that there's a lot going on in chapter 4 that we can learn from. And we want to look down to verse 34. 33, I'm sorry. Chapter 4, the book of John, verse 33. We start to see red letters here. And it says, Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? Jesus responds, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do do you not say, four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, and here's the key phrase, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. So it's interesting, we got to understand the story here. The context is, is that we... We just came off of an experience that Jesus had where we would call it the woman at the well. If you've heard that story before, you understand that Jesus had an encounter with the lady. She, was, she went in the daytime to get water and Jesus came and met her. She wasn't normally approached by, by people like Jesus and so she was a little surprised by that. And when Jesus had an encounter with her, Jesus didn't just say, hey, what's up, how you doing? And then go on. Jesus actually started to peer, peer into her soul and see, what, see where she was and begin to really look into her and say, what was her need? And as he did that, he began to tell her a story as he prophetically looked at her and told her the secrets of all the broken relationships that she had had. Hey, you've been with five men. You're with a man now. It's not your husband. And she was in this really broken place, but she was trying to hide it. And Jesus knew of all the things going, listen, of all the things going on in her life, This was the most damaging. This was the most hurtful. This was the area in her life where spiritually and relationally she was the most broken. And he responded because he was there on a spiritual journey and spiritually he discerned what was happening and spiritually he addressed her and spiritually she was impacted. After she was encouraged and after she, was, she basically became a Jesus follower at this moment, she goes back to her people in her city and all of a sudden this great revival started to break out and they started to really want to hear more about Jesus. Well, in that process, Jesus turns around and goes back to join the disciples. When he goes back to join the disciples, when he shows up, they're basically like, Master, you need to eat, man. And then they look at each other and say, why couldn't somebody get him some food? So follow me. How many of you ever played a sport? Raise your hand. You ever played a sport? Right, so I used to play basketball a little bit. Or if you're a programmer, those are the two, those are the two pictures I'll give you. If guys who sit down and do programming, computer programming, they'll put their headphones on, they'll get jacked in, and you do, they're just zoned in, right? That's all they're thinking about. You can't bother them. They're just typing, 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 right? They're coding. If you play, if you see an athlete, if you're Michael Jordan, if you're LeBron, LeBron James, event, you get into a game, you get into a zone, right? And you get to where you don't see the world around you. And everything is pointed towards this one very focus, your body, your mind, your breathing, your thinking, everything's, and you just get in a zone. Everybody understand what I'm saying? You heard that terminology before? Jesus was in the zone. 
He just came off of, of this spiritual impact. And this is what his normal life was like. The spiritual impact is lady. He comes back and all of a sudden the disciples are talking about eating. So he turns to them and kind of freaks them out a little bit. And, and kind, of, kind of what he's doing here is he's putting, putting them in their place. He's sort of going, he's listening to them going, and they're saying, Master, you should be eating, blah, blah, blah. And finally he goes, look, hey, hey. This is what he's doing to them. What are you talking about? You're looking in the wrong place. And he says, he says back to them, kind of a weird statement. They, they're just offering food. They're just being nice. In verse 32, he says, when they're, when, they're, when they're offering food, he says, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. So at that point, if I'm one of the disciples, I'm lost, right? Because I'm offering you to get something to eat. Hey, Rabbi, go get some food. He's like, I have food, but it's the kind of food you don't know anything about. I'm going, okay, what are you talking about, dude? Now you're freaking me out. Then, then his disciples said to each other, well, could someone have brought him some food? They're saying to each other, what is he talking about? Could you bring him some food? And then he says, look, my food. That's when he goes, hey, snap out of it. And he goes, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more? And then he says, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. So how many of you have had kids or been a kid? Raise your hand. You've been a kid or you had kids? Don't every once in a while you have to be redirected, right? In my house, about every 15 minutes, I have five. It's a herd of kids from 20 down to, down to I think he's eight years old. Somebody knows. I'm sure somebody next gen, somebody next gen knows how old he is. But even my 20-year-old, in between sermons, I had to go call her on the phone just now because, because she's 20. But I still have to redirect her often, right? And in our homes, our kids' behavior, their habits, whatever they're doing. Sometimes I have to, hey, hey, whoa, 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 snap out of it. You stop doing that, right? I do this all the time, right? And I'm redirecting my kids with their words, with their behavior, with their attitude, with their action. That's what Jesus is doing here. They think they're, being, they think they're doing something right. Jesus is going, dude, hey, hey, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Your mind is on earthly things. Your mind is on worldly things. And I'm doing spiritual things. I'm in the zone over here. I am dribbling. I am crossing people over. I am spiritually dunking on the enemy. And you're going, hey, dude, let's go to Sonic. <laughs> and he's going, are you kidding me? I'm like in the zone. I'm like shooting three-pointers from like the other country, you know, and I'm hitting them. And you're talking about going to Sonic. So he rebukes them. This is a rebuke. This is not a friendly conversation. This is not a friendly conversation. And then, he, and then when, he, when he redirects them, this is the statement that I hope that we capture today. Because what he's telling them is to open their eyes and look in the right place. You're looking at earthly things. And I need you to look at spiritual things. So church, today, I'm standing here to say the future of Pikes Peak Christian Church, the future of Fountain Valley, the future of Colorado Springs, the future of Colorado State, the future of the United States of America, and the educational system, and every other system that you feel like is broken depends on you doing one thing. And that is to open your eyes and to look to the fields. And if you don't, and if I don't, and if I keep worrying about what I'm eating, where I'm sleeping, what I'm driving, how my hair looks, how, how, am I, how I'm balding or not balding, whether I'm going golfing Friday or not, if you keep worrying about worldly things, then you will get your reward in this earth. But when you start to store up your treasures in heaven, 
That's a whole nother reward. And this is what Jesus was trying to say to them. Guys, you're working, you're toiling, you're thinking, but you're doing it on the wrong plane. You need to be spiritually minded, spiritually impacting. You're supposed to be looking for broken people and helping them. And that's what I'm doing. And he, he said, get away from me, get the food away from me, stop talking to me, go look. Look over here. And he points and says, open your eyes. So here's an example of how this happens in our real life. Anybody ever seen the movie, um, The Incredibles? So The Incredibles was an amazing movie and it's about this family. They're, they're heroes, they're superheroes, they're powerful, but they get in trouble because in their heroics, they cause a lot of damage and they end up being outlawed and they have to hide, right? And if you've seen the movie, that doesn't work very well for them because at home, their superpowers are there and the undercurrent is causing infighting. It's causing a lot of trouble at home. Well, all of a sudden, in the, in the course of the movie, they all of a sudden figure out they have an enemy, And that enemy continues to get closer and closer to them and their family becomes more and more at risk. And all of a sudden, the family has to respond. And there's a moment in this in the story where this normal family that tried to go to work every day, follow me, pay the bills, eat dinner together and look and act worldly normal, but had this supernatural power inside of them. There became a moment where that frustrating part, that that part of knowing that there's got to be more. And, I, and there's something resonating inside of me saying there's got to be more than work, pay the bills, sit in the recliner with the remote and fall asleep and get fat eating food again every night over and over and over. There's got to be more to this process. There's, the, the world has got to be more exciting. There's something inside of me that's trying to get out, but I don't know how to make that happen. I'm having to hide it. And there's a moment where the enemy comes and all of a sudden they get together and they decide the only way to win is to let the supernatural power that's inside of them come out. And in this process, my favorite part is when they go out to the jungle and they're being chased and the mom is trying to go rescue the dad and the dad's being held captive and the daughter is there and the son is there and Dash, who's the little guy with the really cool haircut, like I envy him like completely, he... He's there and, and he's the one that's the most frustrated because he can run so fast that you can't see him. But in his real life, when he's trying to be normal, he can't do that. So there's a moment though where the enemy's coming and mom's got to go and mom wants to equip these guys to do what they ought to do to stay safe and to help the family. And he's in the woods and she kneels down to him and she says, Dash, I got to go help your dad. But if, you, but if you need something, if the enemy comes, I want you to run as fast as you can. So he starts, his countenance starts to change because remember, he's not allowed to do this. And he looks back at mom, he goes, as fast as I can? And she says, as fast as you can. And all of a sudden, the hair stands up on his back and his chest pokes out a little bit. And all of a sudden, he's like slicking his hair back going, uh-huh, this is fixing to happen, man. Up in here, I'm fixing to do this, right? And all of a sudden, he feels like, good. I get, he, here's, here's what's happening. He just gets to be himself. And in the next few scenes, you see him running on the water. You see him outrunning bad guys. You see him outrunning bullets and and all kinds of cool things. And it's all, and he ends up being the unsung hero that helps pull this family together, use their supernatural powers to go beat the enemy and win as a family. But there was a turning point for him. And the turning point for him, listen, was where he opened up his eyes and he saw something different. So we have a mission to accomplish and I'm going to remind you of that really, really quickly. If you're taking notes on your, on your outline there, this will be some blanks that you can jump into, but you're going to need to do it fast. Amen? Amen. So, so our mission, 
is very clear. And if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, when God created man, he put us in charge. He made you and me the boss. And part of what we're struggling with today is because we actually don't, we are like the Incredibles. We live most of our church life trying to be everyday, normal, worldly, fitting in. Rather than, let, rather than figuring out what is the supernatural power that God has given me, what is the supernatural role I'm supposed to play, and how do I live that out? How do I be, how do I be Dash, where I get to run as fast as I can in whatever category God has equipped me to do that? We often don't pursue that, and because we forget this mission. If you look up here, God blessed them, and he, this is right in the beginning. God blessed man and woman, and he blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number, and, the, and fill the earth and subdue it. And then he used words like rule over. So let me stop for just a second and think about your everyday life and the struggles and the ups and downs. Just be honest. Be honest. How many, days do you, how, many, how many days go by and how many moments go by where you don't feel like you're ruling over anything? That the world's just kicking your butt. And here, back in the beginning, it wasn't our intention. It wasn't our intention that we be weak. It wasn't our intention that we, that we be powerless. It wasn't our intention that we feel dominated. It wasn't our intention we'd be depressed and medicated. It wasn't our intention that we'd be divorced. It wasn't our intention that we'd be... That we'd be um, sick. It wasn't our intention to be all of these things. God's intention for what was for us to be blessed, for us to be fruitful, for us to increase, for us to fill the earth, for us to subdue, and for us to rule over it. That sounds like a whole nother level of victory, doesn't it? Than what, we, than what we feel sometimes, than what we live sometimes. The next scripture that we want to go to is Matthew really quick. And Matthew, Jesus shows up several thousand years later and says basically the same thing. He says, look, all authority in heaven and earth to rule, to do what the Father said back in Genesis, has been given to me. And I'm going to pass that baton and give it to you. And I'm going to put you on a mission. So he sets us on a mission. What is the mission? The mission is... Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all what? Of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I will be with you to the, to the very end of the age. So he gives us the authority, the power. So he's like the mom who kneels down and says, Dash, you have all the power that God possesses. And I'm giving it to you. And I'll be with you to the end of the age. I'm not leaving you alone. And now I'm giving you a job. Go run as fast as you can. Make disciples of all nations. Make good dads and moms. Restore, restore, restore. Heal, heal, heal. Supernatural, supernatural. Encourage, encourage. And so we often, we often don't understand the mission, but we also sometimes don't understand the mission field. So let me just say, when God puts us on a mission, he gives us a team. Everybody say team. team. Your team is primarily twofold. You have your, your family and your church family. And so that's, that you want to fill in the blanks to say, this is my team. My home, my, my wife, my kids, my, my neighbors, these people that are the closest to me, my uncles, my aunts, my grandparents, my family is my team. And then my church family is my team. And you're going to see us work really hard in the days to come to help people understand why it's so important that they be committed to a church family and that church family be committed to them. Because without it, you can't go on the mission. You can't win. 
And then God puts us together and he sends us out. And as he sends us out, he sends us out to many territories. And we're going to fill these in really, really fast. He fills us out to government. He sends us out to arts and entertainment. He sends us out to the educational world. He sends us out to the media world. And he sends us out to the business world. And so these, these are the areas of influence in the world. You can go to the next slide. The areas of influence in the world. If you were to divide up America and say, where, do, where is culture? How can I go engage culture and make a difference? Basically, you can divide culture up into these seven categories. Arts and entertainment, business, education, family, government, media, and church or religion. So how many of us feel like, seriously, how many of us feel like families in the church are still sort of weak? And that the church family or religion is being attacked and is, and be, is, is becoming weak. And it is. So that's our team, man. That's our foundation. And then we're supposed to go out and influence these other, other areas. But, but we have to get our own act together. And that requires us to listen to Jesus. When Jesus says, hey, hey, you're looking at the wrong stuff. Open your eyes and look in a different direction. And we have to hear that call. We have to hear Jesus and we have to be willing to have a humble heart to accept that correction and to change our course, whatever that means in our life. And we'll talk about that in a second. But these are our areas that we're, that we're going after. What's some of the struggle? Some of the struggle is that in our families we're weak, in our churches we're weak. You, if you look in your bulletin here, I just said this, our mission is weak. Do we get up every day with our heart pounding and our heart breaking? With the mission of God? Or do we get, our heart, get up every day going, I got to make that money because of my 401k. I got to make that money because I got to put them rims on my car. I got to make that money because, man, I got to take my girlfriend out. I got to make that money because I got to go buy a new gun. I got to make that money because I got to do this. And we're so focused many times on the things of this world, even good things. I got to make that money so I can take my kids on a vacation. All the while, Jesus is going, hello, hello, you're looking at the wrong stuff. You're talking about food and drink and vacations and hanging out and money and 401ks. I'm talking about open your eyes and look at the fields where the harvest is. This is why, and look, here's what happens if you don't listen to Pastor Billy today and you continue to go the route that you're going, being supernatural like one of the Incredibles, but trying to live a normal life every day. Is that you toil, 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 you get to the end with regret. You get to the end not ever actually accomplishing the things that you thought you might accomplish and now having no time to go back and fix it. It's my doctor telling me, look, you're not fat, but your blood pressure and stuff's going up and you gain two pounds uh, every year and 30 years from now, that's 60 pounds that you're not going to be able to lose. And so you got to change what you're doing because you're heading in a direction that is sick. You're heading in a direction that hurts. You're heading in a direction that hurts you. And I have to begin to listen. And Jesus is saying that. So our vision has got to change because right now we're struggling with our passion. We're struggling with our train. We don't train very well. We don't train our children. We don't train in church. We don't train us to really be victorious. And our habits are all jacked up. Think about your daily habits and whether or not they actually help make disciples or help you be healthy and grow or help your family healthy and grow or help the city be healthy and grow. Does your daily habits do that? We're jacked up completely in our habits sometimes. And lastly, we're jacked up in our vision. We're weak. We have a weak vision. And so, 
Read this with me on, on, your, on your bulletin there. We must change what we see. Our lives will go in the direction of our vision. Jesus said, open your eyes and look. Look at the fields. The quote is this. When our, when, and I want you to go home and just marinate on this. When our vision and passion for the mission of God overwhelms our pursuit for comfort, only then can we accomplish the call of God to reach the nations. How do I do this, Pastor Billy? Sounds good. I'm motivated a little bit. How do I do it? Let me break it down for you and just give you tools, okay? First of all, you've got to look in the direction that Jesus is looking. You can, go, you can go read that, talk through it with whoever you've got to talk it through and process it. Let the Holy Spirit really talk to you about what it means to, to look in a different direction. And your life will go in the direction that you're looking. Jesus is saying, look to the harvest. That means the broken, lost world out there. For the harvest is ripe, meaning that it's ready to be harvested. There's people all around me. There's people all around you who need to hear the good news. And when they hear it, they will respond. They will say yes to God. But they need you to be like Jesus and go, like with the woman at the well and stop, doing, stop what you're doing and have a spiritual conversation with them where you care about them. And so I'm going to give you a process that you can apply to anywhere, at home, at church, in your city, in your school, on the job. And it's these three words. It's pray or prayer care, and share. Trying to make it simple. And this is a process that Jesus went through. When Jesus was walking, he wasn't just walking around going, yeah, the trees are great, man. It's awesome. This, oh, look at the mountains. Oh, there's, let's go to come and go and get something to drink. That's not how Jesus functioned. He walked, into the, he walked into a synagogue. He walked into a city. He walked along the river. He walked into a crowd praying. He walked, look, follow me. You walk on your job. You walk into your school. You're praying, God, what are you doing today here? Thank you, Lord, for this business that I really don't like to go to every day. But thank you, Lord, for these people that I really don't like to hang out with. And, and, and I'm here because I'm looking, my eyes are looking where you want me to look, and I'm looking at the fields. What do you want me to do here today? What's my assignment? I bless these people. You're praying. And then all of a sudden, God starts to speak to you. Because the scripture says that when Jesus walked through the crowd, he was moved with compassion. Everybody say compassion. He was moved with compassion. So when you have compassion, not just concern, and you have to move from concern. Are you concerned about babies being killed in the womb? Yes, we all are. But when we move from concern to compassion, we begin to take in a a, a teenage mother who is 14 years old who got pregnant out of wedlock. And we say, honey, come into my house because I realized that me being concerned that you might abort that child and that breaks my heart doesn't really help you. Me being compassionate to where I take you in my home and I'm able to help you understand how how to put this baby out there for adoption and have it and be healthy and be strong and not be discouraged. I can help with that and I can feed you and I can clothe you and I can be the hands and feet of Jesus to you, that is where it really happens. So I move from prayer to care. And listen, if you don't care, take the label of Jesus off. Please. I'm begging you. I've been doing this for 25 years. And the worst thing for the advancement of the kingdom of God is churchgoers who don't care. And I don't mean in your heart. I mean in your action. So when you begin to pray, God is going to break your heart for things that you don't presently see. 
And, and the money that you're making today may or may not go towards buying you another pair of $70 Oakleys. Or another pair of $150 shoes. It may be that you spend $100 on four bags of groceries and take it to a widow who doesn't have any money. Who's never going to say thank you. He's never going to do anything back to you. And in complete obscurity, with nobody seeing it, with it not being on YouTube or taking selfies, you just go do it. Because you care. Because your heart and your eyes are in a different place. And then you move to the, having the right to share. Because I've prayed for you now. I've cared for you now. And I can actually come share Jesus with you now. I'm not trying to proselytize. I'm not trying to tell you something that I'm not doing. I'm showing you Christ. Then I'm telling you about Christ. And if you'll do this at home with your own children, with your wife, with your husband, with your aunts and your uncles, our city will be different. If I'll do this in my workplace, if I'll do this in my schools, students, you have to stand up and be counted as righteous and powerful and understand that Wideville High School and this elementary school and this middle school is your mission field. You get to go in there and pray. Nobody, look, if you're a student in this room, there isn't a human being on the planet who can stop you from praying in school. Not one. And then you begin to care for the people around you and then begin to share Jesus. Just think about it for a second. You look around this room. We probably have 300 places of work represented in this room, in this region. That's 300 missionaries going out to 300 different mission fields that we can have impact on. So I'm going to help you today by saying it's not super complicated. We have to change our eyesight. You're not walking in to broker a sales deal. You're walking in to win somebody to Jesus by being a salesperson who is full of integrity and honesty and they're, they're loving and they're patient and they tell the truth and they, and they work harder than the next guy and they dress right and they talk right and when they get down in front, when they get in front of you at the sales table, there's no surprises. And I'm prayerful over, the, over my clients. I'm prayerful over the people I'm selling to so that hopefully I get the idea of God, what's going on in their lives so that I can reach out and care for them because I'm on a mission here today. I'm not on a mission to make money. I'm on a mission to win this person into the kingdom. It's just being funded by my job. Your missionary work is being funded by my job. We send military families all over the country. All over the country. And we, and it's, and we can look at it as, oh, sorry, you're leaving. Or we can look at it as we raised you up and now we're sending you out as missionaries to another place of the country on the government's dime. And so that's how we want to think about it. Does that make sense? And so prayer, care, share. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand to our feet and we're going to put our hands out to heaven and we're going to ask the Lord today, God, what are you really saying to me? Because the scripture is very, very clear. Very, very clear here. Jesus is asking them to pay attention and, and he's being crystal clear. My vision, listen, my focus, and my vision on anything other than the harvest is, is out of focus. My vision on, any, on anything else other than the fields where there's hurting and broken people that God wants me to go respond to is the wrong focus. 
doesn't mean we don't go to work every day and make a living. It doesn't mean that we don't play Little League Baseball. It doesn't mean that we don't go to the Balloon Festival. It doesn't mean that we don't go home and watch football and Broncos on Sunday afternoon. It just means as you go and as you're doing these things, tune your vision to where His vision is, which happens when you're prayerful, which happens when you care, and when it happens when you're sharing. So today, the, the, the conversation goes two ways. One... I want you to open up your hands and close your eyes and just ask the Holy Spirit. This is an interactive church service. So we're not raising it. We're not entertaining. I wouldn't be good at it anyways. And we're asking the Lord, help me to change where my eyes are looking. Help me to figure out what it means to look to the fields. Thanks for listening to today's message. Be sure to join us again next time.